On this episode, we talk about food, glorious food. Steve and I wax philosophical about it, and then we get to the real meat when we chat with Julie Neeson Gosden, the Cincinnati food blogger known as Winey Dining. Hope you enjoy. You are listening to the Rebel Storytellers Podcast. Rebel Storytellers. Candid conversations with dreamers, doers, and creative problem solvers. Hosted by Brad Wise and Steve Fuller. A wee podcast made in Cincinnati, Ohio. So Steve, do you ever, uh, when you're out to eat, pull out your uh, smartphone and uh, snap some shots of your food and then share it with people and be like, look what I'm eating. Um, Super good. I want to say no because I feel like no is the right answer. Mm-hmm. But I think probably yes. But I would say the only time I do it is when I want other people to be jealous of me. <laughs> like in the moment you, that you're self-aware that you know that's what you're wanting to do? Yeah. Because it, it's never about the food. It's about like where I am. Uh-huh. So, because you're I, never snapping it, like when you're eating your Whopper, you're not you're not snapping <laughs> a picture of that. Yeah, but even if it was like really good food, but like the place wasn't very cool, I feel like it's more about a social status thing for me, which is probably not good to admit. But do you? You don't seem like you would do such a thing. I definitely have, and I bet um, that's got to be why everybody does it, right? If we're honest, who do you think the first person was that snapped a photo of their food? The very first person? Well, I can tell you a story about that. I don't know if they're the very first, but... That feels like we set that up. (laughs) Um, When I was in junior high, one of my very good friends was named Bradley Huffman, still is his name, and they would go on vacations, nice vacations, and they loved food. Like, they were foodies before being foodies was a thing. Because they were, you know, they would, we lived in Tiffin, Ohio, where there were no good ingredients or whatever. Like, they would travel to go get spices and good meats and blah, blah, blah. Like, whenever you went over to their house, they just had good food. And they would go on vacation and snap photos of traditional stuff. Like, here we are fishing, here we are whatever. But then they would have, they would always put their pictures in an album for every vacation. And they would have pages of their food pictures. Like in an old-fashioned photo album? Yeah. They would get them printed out. And I would make fun of them, like, relentlessly because I thought it was hilarious that they would <laughs> they would be out to eat and there would be a photo of every single person's meal. And I called them the Huffman food pictures. And I just <laughs> thought it was just hysterical because that wasn't – no one was taking pictures of their food back in 1993. Well, this is what fascinating then because – so there's no social media back then. There's no Instagram or Facebook, so why were they doing it? To remember what they ate. Really? Like, that they loved food and they loved that was just a big part of their vacation, which now like when Lee and I go on vacation, that's a huge part. We right. go on vacation to basically eat and drink nice stuff. So what's the psychology behind food? Explain it to me. The psychology. Well, I studied this for years. Uh, and no, you did. <laughs> the psychology of food. Like, what do you mean? Like, why like, we like it? Why is it so? Why does everything revolve around food? Like, you, it's always like going out to dinner is a part of everything you ever do. Like, have you ever gone to like the theater without going out to dinner first? Or it just feels like so much. Like, you go get lunch with people. You get breakfast with people. You'll get a drink with somebody. Like, it feels like we always have to be eating or drinking something. Why is food so important? Well, I think um, uh, Albert Einstein once said, (laughs) 
Food's really important. Food is just good for your tummy. <laughs> is that? No. What the psychology? Like, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> How the hell would I know? <laughs> let's call. Let's call up a guy. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Yeah, we're just here talking about the psychology of food. Wondering if you have any thoughts on it. What's your name again? Uh, my name's Doctor Bill. Doctor Bill, you got a cold or something, Doctor no, Bill? That's how I talk. Okay, it's well, my voice. Just weigh in on this topic because Steve and I are stumped. Well, uh, it goes back to the early days uh, when men and women would eat food in order to stay alive. And uh, thanks, Bill. You're uh, <laughs> pretty boring. Wow, that guy was awful. He was terrible. <laughs> he knew nothing. <laughs> He's he terrible. was a doc. He must have been a dentist or something, right? His voice was annoying too. <laughs> uh, it just there's something uh, magical about it, right? It, like you mentioned, vacation. It's like. My wife and I are going to go on vacation this summer, and I'm already thinking about the dinners we're going to have, like the the drinks we're going to have, the right? It's like that's a big part of everything. I wonder if it's because in our DNA is this idea that we have to hunt, gather to survive, and now that we no longer have to like literally run down our food with a spear. I bet back in the day that's what people thought about quite a bit. Right. I got to go out running for 110 miles tonight chase this cheetah down and finally kill it like they probably obsessed over that we don't have that anymore so now we just pine over uh, fancy food there you go that's better that's all I wanted and they probably took uh, some version of selfies by painting it up on their cave walls about here's kind of what we did last night killed this thing ate it yeah I just I'm just fascinated that you knew this couple that it was so important to them that they documented their food and then we live in this era now where just f- food blogs are everywhere. People talk about their food constantly. I forgot to mention that they each weighed like 800 pounds. Is that true? No. <laughs> they were fit people. They were like 120 pounds. Yeah. I wonder if it's, you know, growing up, I grew up in the fast food era where like we ate fast food all the time. I wonder if it's uh, like we're moving beyond that as a society now. Like we re- we care again about our food. I wonder if maybe our the number one I think the 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 god that we all worship is the god of comfort. Emerald? <laughs> no, like the the idea of being comfortable. Right. And I wonder if just like the version of that, like one of these meals that just make us feel comforted and make us feel like we're together if we just in one way like worship it. And I I remember from my Sunday school days too, right? Like a lot of food involved in religion. Sure. Right? Like every, I mean, uh, all of Jesus's miracles. Sure. Not all of them, but a lot of them were taking a little bit of bread and making a bunch, taking a couple of fish and making a bunch. Well, communion when he said, when he says, remember me by taking the bread and the yeah. wine. I think we're on to something here. Do you think anyone's ever noticed this before? I think there's probably a lot of people studying this that we should <laughs> actually call. Instead, <laughs> instead of us just like should we call one right now <laughs> ring one. ring ring hello <laughs> who is this I don't even know who I called this is uh, Bill <laughs> Bill uh, Dr. Bill not that Dr. Bill another one <laughs> Bill what do you specialize in uh, being hungry oh wow what, what do you do about that <laughs> so stupid <laughs> we need to work on our impersonations yeah, and names You know who else knows about food? Who? Our very own uh, Cincinnati superstar food blogger. Yeah. She was really the first 
person in our city who started uh, writing about food and talking about food and photographing food and doing all that on the internets. And uh, she's here to share some of her experiences with us. Julie, I kind of want to start with um, the fact that you are a food blogger. Yep. And these days, there are a lot of food bloggers out there. Yes, there are. Uh, pretty much anyone who goes out to eat and snaps a photograph and then talks about it mm-hmm. considers themselves a food blogger. But you were sort of a pioneer in the field. So I want to go way back in time to where you were just a normal person living <laughs> your normal life. And suddenly you had a spark where you said, I want to start writing about food. Mm-hmm. What was that initial spark? Uh, the spark was boredom, actually. You know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's really glamorous. Um, so I was in a job that was taking up like two hours a day, and I went, "Wow, what can I like think about for the other six? Because <laughs> I'm really bored." Um, and you know, I was thinking like a marketing person, and that was okay. What what need is there that I can fill? And at that point in Cincinnati, and this is very different than like the rest of the country where there were food blogs everywhere, and mm-hmm. there was Julie and Julia and she was making millions of dollars doing this. There was nobody doing food blogging at all. Um, there was the you know reporter from the Enquirer. There was Cincinnati Magazine. There was one food blog that was a couple that would both write together. They were great. They are long gone. And that was they, it. What do you mean? What happened to them? <laughs> Did you off them? <laughs> you, you took them out? The food blog mafia. <laughs> <laughs> they're, lo- they're in the Ohio River now. <laughs> no, I think that they are still alive and well, um, okay. but they just stopped blogging. So, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so I decided, well, nobody's doing this. Um, I know some stuff about food, but not a ton. I like to write. I like to eat. I eat out a lot. Okay, great. So here's my marketing plan. Uh, and that was pretty much it. What year is this, would you say, that you started? 2008. Okay. In January. January 2008. Yeah. So we're seven years in. And since then, two things have happened, I think. Yep. One is nationally, people are obsessed with food. Food. Maybe they always have been, but, mm-hmm. you know, like Food Network, I don't know when they started, but it's super popular now. All kinds of cooking shows everywhere. Chefs are now celebrities. And in Cincinnati, the food scene has taken off. So was there anything like was there anything that was going on with you back then that you saw this thing coming mm-hmm. or was it just, hey, this looks fun. I'm just going to try this. Um. I don't know, maybe latent psychic abilities. Um, No. Um, In 2008, I was very freshly divorced. I was, um, I had just moved to Over the Rhine where no one would visit me uh, because no one, no one was there. Like it wasn't safe. There weren't restaurants. There wasn't anything like that. Um, And I just sort of got the feeling that, you know, something big was coming. Like you just kind of get that gut feeling and I kind of just ran with it. Wow. What? Was it just a gut feeling or like were there any clues out there? Because that fascinates me that you just had this gut feeling thinking about where we are now. Mm -hmm. Like what did you, what clues did you see that gave you that gut inclination? Um, I think that I had been paying a lot of attention to what was going on outside of Cincinnati, uh, that people were moving back into cities, that people you know, wanted this walkable lifestyle, and that people were caring more about their food. This was right when people really started to get into organic, too, mm-hmm. which I think was like the biggest food trend over the past 10, 15 years. So people were really starting to care where their food came from. They were starting to care about where they lived. So people are... are 
and I would say this is still going on, where we're less into things and we're more into experiences. And my divorce really taught me that I'm less into things and more into experiences. I could have things, but I was having a not so great experience. Um, so I changed that. Um, and so I, I grew up a lot, too, during this time period. How much was this blog a part of your healing process, recovering process after the divorce? Was this a big deal in that regard? Totally a big deal. Like, I would say um, it was my therapy to some extent. You know, um, I was in a relationship where, um, I mean, great guy, whatever, um, but definitely didn't feel like I could do anything without him. Um, and so doing this was like, oh, I can actually do something without him. Um, and, you know, uh, it, it grew because of things that I did and the connections I made and, you know, um, just did. So gave you a sense of new independence. And it definitely confidence. gave me, yeah, a sense of independence, uh, confidence, accomplishment um, and worth, I think. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you, you jump in and you're writing and people are starting to, to read. How does it. How did you grow it? So how did it go from, I'm assuming in the beginning you wrote, you were enjoying it, and you probably had friends and family and people that knew you that were reading. Mm-hmm. How did that get to the point where you have this large following? Um, where And obviously there's a lot of food bloggers now in Cincinnati, but I would still say that you're probably the most predominant voice in that world. How does it go from uh, small to big? Um, a lot of marketing <laughs> um, and a lot of connecting with people. I made sure to start like going to events, talking to people. Um, one of the very early people who was a big proponent of mine was Tom Callanan, um, mm-hmm. who was the publisher of the Enqu- or not publisher, I guess the editor of the Enquirer uh, in 2008. And um, if you talk to him, he would call me a node of influence. Um, <laughs> which, uh, in fact, if you tweet at him, he will probably do that too. Um, great guy, but he said, you know, I think that blogs are where things are going. Uh, I really want to have bloggers involved, mm-hmm. and you are the preeminent food blogger, and I want you in our network. Um, so my first like big break was the Enquirer. Um, and it kind of just took off from there. And you talk about networking. I, I think about this a lot because in our world today, um, everyone's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, everyone's writing a blog, everyone's got a book, everyone's making music, that those walls have come down to where now everyone can make things. Mm-hmm. But the downside of that is it's hard to get noticed yeah. because there's so much stuff out there Talk about the networking part of it. Like just um, like what kind of things did you do to just meet people and get your brand out there that were maybe non-traditional? Sure. Um, I'm not somebody who likes to go to networking events like those requests on LinkedIn where it comes to our networking event. No, (laughs) not going. Um, But I have always been very involved in the arts. So I would go to arts events. You know what goes with arts? Dinner beforehand. (laughs) Um, I uh, got involved and actually started to, uh, I helped to start the um, Cincinnati Women Bloggers because blogging has always been very big with women. It's been a really great way to give women voice um, over the past 10 years or so. So that is no longer active, uh, but was certainly a really good network. Some of my best friends came from there. Advice for people who are listening who have a thing that they're creating and they're trying to get it out there and get noticed. On social media, what are some good first, second, and third steps? Okay. 
the first thing is definitely to listen. No one wants somebody to walk into a room and just start talking. It's like social media is still a cocktail party. And you don't want to come in and go, hey, I'm Julie and I'm a food blogger and I'm awesome and you should listen to me because that's obnoxious. Uh-huh. Um, follow people who you think are important to what you do. So if you are, say, um, a, a mustache care salesperson, I, as I look at as I look at you with your beard, uh-huh. um, it, you know, that's a big thing right now. And you know, differentiating your mustache products as opposed to someone else's mustache products. So follow Gillette, follow um, all these craft mustache maintenance product people, um, follow people who are famous for having mustaches. Tom and Selleck. Yes, exactly. Um, does he still have one? Yeah, okay. I think so. Just checking. Yeah, he's in the, the, the Blue Bloods show and he has one. My mother loves that show. Yeah, and he, it, uh, so do I. <laughs> What's that say? And his hair is still jet black. Explain that. Just for men. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, But but follow your Tom Selleck's and listen to what they have to say about this thing that you're passionate about. And then after you've listened for a while, then start entering the conversation. Start talking about, you know, hey, you know, Tom Selleck, I have this awesome mustache ointment. I don't know. I'm a girl. We don't know these things. Um, I've got this awesome mustache stuff, and I would love for you to try it. And more than likely, Tom Selleck is not going to be like, hey, I want to use it. Um, but you you can get noticed that way. Um, you know, you can just get noticed by sharing mustache news, but really start to participate in the conversation in a way that is appropriate to whatever it is you do. Um, and you learn that really quickly by listening to other people. Um, listening is far more important than talking. Does your husband have a mustache? My husband, actually, when I met him, uh, had a, um, I suppose it's a Van Dyke, oh, wow. um, which is not a goatee. I learned that. Um, uh-huh. uh, he actually is clean shaven now. Mm, you yeah. seem obsessed with mustaches. <laughs> I don't, you know, I think actually I know where this came from. Um, somebody posted on Facebook yesterday um, that they were on a plane and somebody gave them the, like, my I have a brand new baby bag hmm. and it had mustaches on it and I couldn't figure out the mustache baby <laughs> connection and it's been bothering me. So I think that's why I'm focused on mustaches, mustaches right on now. <laughs> so you got remarried then? Yeah, I did. Yeah. When, you, when did that happen? Uh, we got married in 2010. Um, so almost five years now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Coming on the what anniversary? What's five years? That would assume I took care of the it. mustache like, anniversary. It's to, obviously the mustache <laughs> anniversary. I need to figure out. And didn't we figure out when did you get married? What day? December thirtieth of two thousand ten. Yeah. Okay. We were my wife and I were June nineteenth. Yeah. So we also are coming up on five years. Cool. So if anyone out there knows what the gift is, if you could tweet me at full Steve. I've been married for like ten and a half years. Do you guys want to ask me any questions, nope. advice, or no? You got it. You can also tweet my <laughs> husband at at the better half. He might like the ideas too. Is that really his Twitter it's name? It's actually at the better underscore half. Yeah, I, I was going to say is. someone had taken at the better half. Yeah, he got he got an underscore. Underscore. Yeah. What was would you get Leah? Five years. Five years. I got her. Um, a whole lot of loving. You don't know. I don't remember. What'd you get her at 10 years? Uh, <laughs> have you ever bought her an anniversary Yeah. Gift? I just don't have a memory that's worth worth the crap. I think we went on a trip. That's always a good thing to do. That's what we do every year. What did we do? Yeah, yeah. we went on a trip. We went to... Yeah, Hawaii? No. I don't know. Dayton? <laughs> <laughs> well, was... yeah, thanks for all your advice, Brad. <laughs> Yeah, this I is why no one's coming to you <laughs> with any questions about I feel really marriage. secure now, don't you, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. What did I do? I texted Leah, and for our 10th anniversary, we went to a bed and breakfast down on the Bourbon Trail in Kentucky. 
I remember it like it was yesterday. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Brad Wise, and my co-host is Steve Fuller. Thanks to Jim Zartman of Talkie Records for our music, and thanks to Julie slash Wine Me Dine Me for hanging out with us. Go to rebelstorytellers.com to subscribe to our newsletter, this podcast, and check out the daily blogs from our awesome group of rebel storytellers who Monday through Friday are sparking hope, action, and understanding in this world. So until next time, keep creating.